So we were all treated to, uh, you know, a surprisingly dramatic finish to the Sunday night football game between the New York Giants and the Buffalo yeah. Bills. Certainly didn't anticipate being that close no. we'll get to the game for sure much later. But obviously, one of the big uh, viral moments that that came from this was right at the beginning when they go through the opening lineups uh, <laughs> that obviously these networks have done for years and years and years. Uh, but Justin Pugh getting up there, the offensive lineman. Uh, obviously, everyone, by, uh, you all know that they introduce themselves and usually their college, sometimes their high school that they're from. But Justin Pugh goes, Justin Pugh, straight off the couch. <laughs> Gotta love well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, and funny of him to be like, I, I to be honest, like I forgot he had like semi-retired, like he yeah. retired and was out of the league. And so I'm really glad he said it because it was that instant realization, that moment again, like, oh, my God, that's right. This dude, he literally is straight off the couch. They literally just called him to, and to see if he could come back. Uh, we, that's how decimated that that offensive line has been for the New York Brutal. football giants. And so I thought it was a really good lighthearted moment to to start. And I, you know, I think those Sunday night football intros are, I love that the networks don't get too, you know, too uh, strict with what you can and can't do. They let guys have fun with it a little bit. And it, it, it's, I think it's smart because it creates those viral moments. How many times has that Sunday night intro been shared now on, on X and Twitter and you know what I mean? On all social media, because they allow for it, them, these guys to have a little fun and creativity. Absolutely. Yeah, no, those are, those are good lighthearted moments. And, you know, uh, from straight off the couch to straight into your living room with Tyreek Hill doing the <laughs> celebration, yeah. uh, grabbing the cameraman's camera and doing a backflip with it from a, uh, you know, the POV there. And of course, the NFL, you know, the, he gets flagged for it. The NFL is going to issue a fine. And yeah. it was the NFL UK account that he took the camera from. They posted it and the NFL made them take it down. That's so they're like, ridiculous. Oh, we can't have this because uh, we, you know, we find them. And I, I mean, it's just uh, people were thrown out the no fun league. And, uh, you know, in many respects, they they give people reason to say that. The NFL, it is. They can't get out of their own way sometimes with stuff like that. They just can't, especially with um you know the the roughing the passer calls we've seen lately some of these really ticky tacky stuff um listen we're all going to watch football no matter what but the NFL i think sometimes they just it's almost like they they need more people that work at the NFL at high levels that watch the NFL i don't know if these guys mm -hmm. actually sit down on a sunday like we do get your nachos your beer and you just watch the games because when you watch the product, like there are legitimate criticisms of the product. And uh, one of them being, I think the, the time zone stuff with the, with the London game, the other thing being like the no fun league stuff like that. And then, you know, some of these ticky tacky calls, it's like, uh, and, and they could just free up so much of their own drama. They create, I feel like if they had, more just access to average guys who watch the games and be like, yeah, stop doing that. That's stupid. Just let, let that happen. We don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's the fines too, that get kind of ridiculous. I remember yeah. Jalen Warren earlier this year had an entire game check uh, for his fine yeah, because that. he doesn't make that much per game. He makes about like 55 grand or something. And that's what the, the, you know, the kiddo fine, was. fine just, for the fuck silly. Dallas shirt. It's like, who cares? He's having fun. Let him wear the fuck Dallas shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, you're, you're not getting away from it, you know, by censoring your own product in that way. It's, um, it's out there. It's everywhere. Uh, kids are going to see the F bomb every now and then it just, it's, it's how it works. Like, let the kids sorry. see the F bomb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> we got to push this on.
but yeah, we got a we got an exciting one today, especially because it is the debut of Mark's Super Bowl plane. It's back, baby. Which, uh, has has this been going since year one? I don't remember. Twenty twenty yeah. was our first season. We did it in twenty twenty, uh, but we've got a, a revamped presentation of this Super Bowl plane for you. So we're excited to show you that, and uh, and obviously get through this uh, big slog of games. That was a very weird Sunday in the NFL. Said that a couple times this year. This might have been the strangest. But uh, no more undefeated teams in the league. Let's get to our week six recap. Serving the Quad Cities area since 1973. And with over 50 years of excellence on their track record, you'll see why it's so easy to trust their experts when it comes to all of your home improvement projects. This family-owned business has you covered on all your needs. Protect your home or building from the elements today and get great roof repair services. Need new windows? No problem. Durham Remodeling can upgrade your windows and doors. Whether you want to upgrade the little details in your home or office, or want to tear a room down and start fresh, the expert contractors at Durham Remodeling have your back. Even the smallest changes can completely transform your space. Ready to start entertaining your friends for backyard barbecues? Durham Remodeling will help you plan, design, and build your deck and patio for the perfect outdoor space. Durham Remodeling's work is 100% guaranteed, so you can rest assured that you're getting the best service around. Call 309-786-6715 today for your free estimate for all your roofing, siding, flooring, windows, and painting needs. That's Durham Remodeling, 309-786-6715. 6715. All right. You are watching and listening to the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan, part of the Four Frequency Sake podcast network. Go check out all of these shows over at fourfantasysakeqc.com and uh, like and subscribe wherever you may be listening and or watching FB Lounge Pod on social. So, Mark, we're getting into the this week six recap here and can't really have a week six recap without discussing some of the notable injuries. So I think we'll touch on that first before we get into kind of the slate of games. It's some of I know. Obviously, it's really rough. Um, we'll start with the the marquee one, uh, unfortunately, Justin Fields dislocating his thumb. Pops his it back in, in the game. On his throwing hand, a, a, just a terrible all-around situation. Dr. Jesse Morse of the Fantasy Doctors, uh, who's also been on the show here earlier this uh, year, uh, kind of did a diagnosis of this a little bit from based on the video and said that it's likely surgery is going to happen here. It's just going to be impossible for Justin Fields to grip, according to Dr. Morse and some other fantasy uh, football doctors and um, and specialists out there. And they are saying that uh, while surgery is likely, that's going to result in Justin Fields most probably being out for a month at minimum. So obviously brutal news for the bears and yeah. uh, a situation where they already had a terrible loss to the Vikings. Uh, their, their situation just gets uh, so much worse now. Yeah. Having to watch Tyson Bajan, uh for the next month plus is going to really kill me. First it's going to be what's brutal. It's going to be one of those, like uh, it's going to test my moxie. It's going to test my ability as a fan to be a fan. Um, you know, you hate to see it, but I and, and and Justin listened. He was not playing great, particularly to start that game. The Bears' offense was very lackadaisical. It looked like the extra time off hurt them, didn't help them. 
which is just that to me is again bad coaching like 101. Andy Reid is the king off the bye. That's a good coach, like getting your team ready, prepared, energized, and have using that extra time in the right way versus teams when they have the extra time to come out lackadaisical. I mean, that is that's just bad coaching 101. Um, but Justin Fields, I will say, when he comes back and he's healthy, he should have every snap. I think we as Bears fans will learn over the next month plus with Bajan that he's not the guy. I already know he's not the guy. I mean, you watch even in his preseason stuff and from week one. Yeah, maybe he can be a guy who can develop into a Taylor Heineke type, really nice, fun, energetic backup quarterback. He's big, strong, physical. Um, you know what I mean? He's a, he's a total moxie guy. So that I'm sure will, you know, lead. But Justin Fields needs to play every snap that he's cleared to play. Uh, for the Bears the remainder of this season. And he has got to do a better job of when the play is not there and it, he was extending, 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 and then trying to throw it last minute to not take the sack. It, that's what got himself injured. If he would have just thrown the ball out of bounds or taken the sack, Justin Fields would have played the rest of that game and been you know healthy from that injury. Who knows you know then what happens the next play? It's the butterfly effect, right? But um, it's a brutal injury, especially because it's the throwing hand. If it's the non-throwing hand, you bandage it up, you go out there and you play. It's your other your your other right. thumb. You survive, Easy. but it's a it's going to be a brutal next month and a half for for me and Bears fans because you're going to see nothing on social media. That's not every time Tyson Bajan plays well, and maybe he does win them a couple games. Where he he shows a little spark. Then he'll start the uh, is Tyson Bajan the Bajan the guy. I think obviously we all know he's he's not, and the, the Bears are going to end up with top picks. You're going to draft a quarterback as or keep Justin Fields. Those are your two avenues. Bajan is not going to become Brock Purdy. He just is not going to happen. Yeah, no. I, everyone would uh, hope that that's the case. That is uh, unfortunately not how the NFL yeah. works. Uh, also at the quarterback position, Jimmy Garoppolo goes down with a back injury. He actually had to go to the hospital. Uh, to to make sure that nothing uh, severe or serious happened. It looked like he was cleared and, and okay after that, but he is still dealing with this back injury. No timetable for his return. And the Raiders, you know, kind of have rattled off some some interesting wins uh, lately. Yeah. Uh, they're still not a good team by by any stretch, uh, but they they were finding ways to to get their young tight end involved. Michael Mayer finally breaking out a little bit from Notre Dame. Uh, so. They they've kind of inserted themselves as a little bit of a scrappy team here the last uh, you know couple weeks, but now with Jimmy Garoppolo down, it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Mark, if Aiden O'Connell's the next step, or or what they're going to do there uh, with the Raiders. But Jimmy G going down obviously not good, especially when they were just getting a rhythm going. I will say this: um, obviously they went straight to Hoyer in this game because of how bad O'Connell was. The first time we saw him. So I think they'll lean on Hoyer, depending on the timetable for Jimmy G and the Raiders are scrappy. And a lot of, a lot of that is Max Crosby. Like Max Crosby alone is like scrap dog one Oh one. Like, I mean, he is, he is the, you know, the, the junkyard dog and he is phenomenal and playing really good football. Um, And so we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on Jimmy G. The timetable is going to, is going to tell us everything about what the Raiders should or shouldn't do. Damian Harris goes down another scary scene for Buffalo, man. They've been through a lot when it comes to injuries the last year. Uh, but Damian Harris, uh, was seemingly immobile on the field for a while. They had to bring an ambulance on the field, really scary scene. 
Uh, but reports were that he did have movement in his uh, arms and legs, so that's a good sign. Uh, but no, no kind of indication as to what uh, will be moving further. Obviously, for on the field production, he didn't do a whole lot this year, kind of in that reserve role. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, still a piece to that back. Well, they're already and, down uh, running backs. They are. You know? They are. They're they're injured, riddled, and now James Cook is really going to have to stay healthy and be productive for an entire game versus getting spelled because it looks like they're not going to be able to afford uh, that type of uh, split in the backfield. Yeah, just glad he's okay. Gave the thumbs up, and I saw a report this morning yeah. already that he was out of the hospital. Nothing's broken. You know, Great it's news. just a, a really uh, you know compounded the neck and a sore neck, and I'm sure he'll he'll get a couple weeks off. Uh, you know, the story I think for a lot of people was Demar Hamlin's jersey re- being retired on the on the yeah. ambulance with the bills. It's a little weird. It's a little. I mean, you get the sentiment. I get it. Yeah, I get. But it, it also is like that's like poor Demar sitting there on the sideline, and he played last week. He didn't play this week, and you're just seeing that was like, good God, like uh, uh, it's kind of like it, a constant reminder. Then, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to like, I don't want to live that every time it, I see a teammate need to go in an ambulance to see yeah. my my jersey on the ambulance. I don't. You're in the uh, the uh, Bills ambulance sponsored by the Demar Hamlin number three jersey. Yeah, it just was. A, it was a little weird. I think that was social media of all of everyone's just kind of like, well, is that what I think it is? Uh, but um, yeah, for Buffalo, Cook Cook has played well. But you're right. Now the depth is 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 not existent at all. So that's going to be a, a, obviously something to watch out for. The only other one that I think was worth note, and I may be missing some, you know, obviously there are injuries. Tannehill. I know. Uh, oh, that's right. You know, I didn't have him down here. Tannehill might be out, which, gosh, I mean, they brought Malik Willis in. And, He's bad. Um, I He's mean, not good. He did, the box score makes it look like he did all right, um, but he, he was not. He's not looking very good watch, back there. Watch the um, film. Yet again. Um, and which is just, this, this, this goes to show that as much as you enjoy our commentary, uh, and, and we hope that we provide people with, uh, you know, well-rounded, uh, you know, analysis that we are uh, not NFL personnel for a reason, because I was pounding the table for the Steelers to draft Malik Willis uh, in the first round <laughs> Listen, over Kenny Pickett. And today I am so glad that they literally like uh, Matt Corral was a part of that, you know, I know. and, and uh, whatever you say uh, leading up to a draft, it should not be, it should be null and void. We all yeah, get, yeah. we, we all get for entertainment purposes. Clearly we only. all get too excited when we get close to the draft. And so it should yeah. be null, null yeah. and void, but yeah, he he's, I think they should just, they should this at this moment. If, if he's out, you, you say to maybe to Malik, if it's like, it's like a two week, maybe a three week thing. Malik has like the first half. And if he struggles, I would go straight to Levis personally. Just yeah. go to Levis. Give the kid a week to prepare. Levis has been out for the last couple of weeks, and I'm not sure if that's injury related or if they've just if he's been a scratch because yeah, I I don't know either. But I'm not sure. I think it's the time to like let the rookie play a little bit. Yeah, because Malik Willis just is not the guy. I mean, even you would hope after having a whole year and some experience last year, and then a whole another off season, he'd come out and play more mature football. But he just looked. I mean, he looked like a puppy trying to chase his tail out there. This looks more like a situation, and I, you know, I don't mean to make a, a broad statement that anyone can do this, but I wonder if, like, we're already getting into the territory of maybe he needs to move into like a Taysom Hill type of role, right? Um, yeah, because he's got the athleticism and he's big. Uh, maybe he can kind of convert himself into an H back type of situation and, and, and be a little bit more beneficial in terms of his longevity in his career, because even as a backup, it's not 
looking positive right now. But then again, he hasn't had many reps. So, uh, yeah. but that is, that's the situation we're in right now. And then David Montgomery goes down for the Lions. That's a brutal injury because obviously Jameer Gibbs was a high draft pick, but they haven't been using him um, in, he in was any out. sort of every down role. And he was out. Uh, David Montgomery comes in. He's been great so far this year when healthy. Gets a rib injury. Might miss some time. Not clear how how long, but it might only be a week or two. Uh, if that's the case, that's great news because the Lions are humming, as we'll get to. But just something to kind of note there uh, that their backfield may be down a little bit, and they're going to have to lean a little more into that run game. And uh, and Sam Laporta too was was you know coming off of injury this past week. So uh, we'll see if they'll they'll be able to get back to full full strength sooner rather than later. That should kind of do it for the premier injuries. I know Trevor Lawrence was dealing with yeah. soreness in his knee. knee uh, they play Thursday, so it's possible he doesn't play. Uh, I'd be surprised, though. I kind of feel like he's he's just that kind of guy that go, goes out and, and toughs it out and plays. And if it's just soreness-related, uh, he'll be out there. But more to come on that later. So let's get into uh, the slate of games, and, and we'll touch kind of like we did last week more broadly on a lot of these games, very quick analysis, and we'll stick with some narratives uh, of certain games that are of more importance before getting and ending the show with Mark's Super Bowl playing. So getting into it first, the Thursday night game, we had the Broncos at the Chiefs, and the Chiefs won 19-8 in very convincing fashion. Despite Russell Wilson actually looking decent many times throughout this year, never being able to put a full game a package deal put together and just looked brutal this week yet again. So it really is seeming now, Mark, that the trend is unfortunately, and I feel like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but we have six games with Sean Payton era and we have a full season with the Nathaniel Hackett era. It just seems like the big question surrounding this game is whether or not Russell Wilson will ever be the Russell Wilson of the past, or if this is time to say, it's done, and they're going to have to find a way to completely move off of him. I know we've talked about next year being a, being a likely chance that they will part ways. Uh, it's just seeming every week now it's getting closer and closer to a split between Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, despite the massive amount of money they paid him to get to get there. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it. I just think that part of it is Russell Wilson just he used to be able, like we were so used to just Russell Wilson being automatic when he said, who's got the best deep ball in the league? Oh, Russell Wilson throws the best deep ball, high arc, and just like bread basket, always landing in locket, you know, in, in DK Metcalf's, you know, hands. And it's just gone. Like that element to his game just seems gone. And he just seems extremely slow, extremely almost immobile at times. And there's just no pop. And in a lot of ways, he looks like older Drew Brees. And the problem being is that this Denver offense is just not built like that to be successful the way that Saints offense was with Sean Payton. Um, you know, I don't know how they're going to fix it long-term in the future, but right now, overall, I'd say the Denver Broncos are, are absolutely one of the three worst teams in the NFL. And if you look at his sure. stats, yeah, just box store on the season, he's got more touchdowns and less interceptions than Mahomes on the season. But none of it is equating to wins. Now, I know the defense is a large part of that, and they're just not playing good defense. But I actually thought the defense stepped up against Mahomes and the, and the Chiefs. The Chiefs seem to be playing with the food a little bit. A lot of people are wondering if there's concern, if you're concerned if you're Kansas City. I wouldn't be concerned yet. You know, it, there's just uh, – it's a long season. You're winning games. You've won, you know, five in a row. Uh, I think for, for the Chiefs, uh, they have the best defense of the Patrick Mahomes era. 
So I'm very, very high on the Chiefs right now. They haven't lost to the Broncos since Peyton Manning, which is just a wild, wild Insane. thing to think about. Insane. And uh, for the Broncos, it, it, they just, um, they're selling off pieces now. Gregory and Clark are gone. I, I don't know where they go necessarily because they don't have the picks. You know what I mean? It's a little like Carolina. Like, yeah. oh, well, they're bad. They're going to get a high pick. And it's like, nope, they don't even have the pick. So, like, it is a world of hurt for the Denver Broncos right now. Brutal situation for Denver. They're going to have to figure a lot of things out moving the rest of the season and beyond. We'll go to the aforementioned game with Ryan Tannehill being injured in the London game. Ravens at the Titans uh, at, technically. Yeah. Uh, 24-16 to win for Baltimore. Big win for the Ravens here, I thought, uh, you know, and and. For the Steelers who were on a bye, it was a brutal bye week for them because every team in the AFC North won their yeah. respective games. Uh, but the Ravens moved to four and two on the season. And, uh, you know, Lamar, that first half was incredible. Put together great. a great first half. Zay Flowers gets his first career touchdown in this one. And, you know, even despite some questionable play calls and things like that for Baltimore, they looked buttoned up and they really got out to an early lead in this game. And, just never relinquished it after that. So Tennessee, uh, you know, in a troublesome situation, if they're not able to get anything going through the air, yeah. um, they're not the powerhouse juggernaut at running the football that they were that could maybe get them by in years past. And that's the problem now is just they're not getting enough production uh, from the other aspects of the offense. Derrick Henry is great, but, you know, you can only uh, scheme – uh, Derrick Henry opened so many times to where it's just like, okay, he's a big guy. He'll lean forward. But when they need big plays, uh, that's not where they're going to get it. And uh, they're not able to get it right now from DeAndre Hopkins. Only one catch, I believe, in this game, which is kind of inexcusable if you ask me. But that's just the situation they're in right now. And without a Ryan Tannehill at two and four, they very well. The way that the Texans are playing and the Colts playing, you know, tough, uh, they're staring into maybe being in the basement of the AFC South instead of. Uh, yeah. You know the the two young rookie quarterback led teams that we thought. The only thing that I I can I can put my like faith in with the Titans is Vrabel. Like I I believe in Mike Vrabel. I think he is a good coach. Yeah. And I think that the problem is just this roster has gotten old really quick, and they've and they've created some huge holes really quickly. That offensive line is not what it was a couple of years ago when Henry was running for two thousand yards. Derrick Henry is not necessarily the same player. And a lot of the coaching is gone. You know, that was Matt LaFleur. That was Arthur Smith. Those guys are gone. And that offense just hasn't looked the same. And it's it, it just seems like they're trying to imitate what they used to be. And that's the worst thing you can do in the NFL. Uh, it hasn't adapted to what they currently have and and the players they have. And and I, again, like we said at the beginning, I think if Tannehill's, if, if he has to miss a two or three week stretch right now, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your fan base. Like, get the rookie snaps. Like, get Will Levis some snaps. He's a high pick. He is a guy that, um, you know, a lot of people thought should have been a first-round pick. He's a guy that um, has a ton of arm talent, and so maybe he can provide a spark. Who knows? I mean, uh, C.J. Stroud is coming in. He's absolutely playing really great football. So you got to get your you got to get your rookie some some snaps if he's healthy and everything's right. Then I would absolutely use this as a as a chance, a test time in the middle of the season. When Ryan's healthy, go back to Tannehill and keep running the game plan the way you thought you know the season. On the other side, for the Ravens, 
Absolutely. I think problem is the Ravens just struggle in the red zone right now. I mean, how many field? I mean, trust me. Yeah. I love the really, field goals. Yeah. I have Justin Tucker as my kicker in fantasy. He single-handedly Six helped me in this game. Yeah. win this my fantasy matchup this week. He's like my second highest scoring player. Um, but yeah, you you that's the only thing that's a little bit of a concern to me right now is Baltimore just doesn't seem yet like they're able to to like finish the game and step on the throat of an opponent. Like a uh, like like we saw you know earlier in the year from from other teams, so Baltimore is the vibes got to be good. They made the right game plan right. They got to London earlier. Um, you know Tennessee got there not until like Thursday night, Friday morning. It, the it, that that is a recipe for disaster for the team that shows up second to London. You got to get there early. Um, glad the London games are on pause for a minute. And because they yeah. just, I think they, I think they overall are a bad product just because basically it just is determined. The winner is determined as like, who's got the most acclimation to a time zone. And I think that's a stupid right, way right. to play football. Uh, but I think the Ravens are starting to really find a groove and click. And um, if they can convert these field goals into touchdowns, they can be a really dangerous team. Yeah, Todd Munkin's done a great job there as the OC. It's just been in the red zone, as you mentioned. The play calling has been a little suspect. They're, yeah, um, you know, running into stacked boxes when you've got, you know, I, I just they're not using utilizing Mark Andrews, which is bizarre in the red zone. Yeah, I agree. A great body, a great route runner. Uh, he should be getting peppered with targets every red zone trip, uh, just because of his unique nature. And it's not like you got studs on the outside yet. Yeah. Uh, so maybe find Zay Flowers open in the middle a little bit more and use Mark Andrews' size. Uh, to your advantage in those situations, and uh, you know maybe they'll start to convert those. A little they bit need better. to listen to you there, not just because he's on my fantasy team, but also just because it's the right thing to do. It is absolutely. Uh, the Commanders go on the road at the Falcons, and this kind of brings up another Love situation. This win. We were talking about the Love Titans. This win. It was it was a great win for for the Commanders. Yeah. Uh, the Falcons are in a very uh, peculiar spot. Uh, Desmond Ritter had a brutal game. Um, with three bad picks, including a, a red zone pick where you just saw the, the Arthur Smith uh, yeah. putting both of his hands on his head like, yeah. what are we doing? Um, but then again, I mean, this is technically his rookie season because he didn't get to play much at all last year. And so the, the question remains for the Falcons in how do you want to play this moving forward? Because they're a team that is too good to bottom out entirely. And that's kind of what we've seen the past few years. Um, but they're in that quarterback purgatory, even more so than like the the teams with decent quarterbacks. So we've seen like Dallas is in quarterback purgatory. This is even worse because, you know, you have guys that are, you know, winning you, you know, six, seven games a year. But you need to get to that three to four or five wins section to get a great quarterback. Do they need to ride this out with Desmond Ritter or do they need to rip the bandit off, get in Taylor Heineke, who is probably going to win you some more games. But the question is, clearly Arthur Smith wants to compete. And so he's probably going to end up going with Taylor Heineke, Heineke at some point. The problem is then you're not going to get the quarterback of the future. But if you let Desmond Ritter keep putting you in this position, maybe it does get better. If you keep, you know, that's the risk you take here is he's, he doesn't have a large sample size. So maybe they just have to keep giving him these opportunities, yeah. um, but they may not win as many games as they wanted. Uh, on the flip side, they may win too many games to get a quarterback. It's it's a tough one. I don't know you, which way to go. You got to ride with Ritter. Ritter. If you're yeah. not trading for Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins has already said he's not going to waive his no trade clause, which I think is smart of Kirk, because I think if you're Kirk, 
Your your best hope is to keep all hope alive with Minnesota to where they sign you to like a Geno Smith type deal, right? To where you win too many games. They don't really get the right quarterback or maybe they do draft a quarterback, but they don't want to start them right away. So they're going to give you a nice one year, another guaranteed deal just to stay there to mentor the young guy. And you don't have to move your family and do all that stuff. I think it's the right move for Kirk. If you have a no trade clause, you do not owe it to waive it. Like that's, that's on the organization. That's on you. You have, it's your right. And they just won a game. So they're moving. But if I think if Atlanta would be one place I'd consider waiving my no trade clause, if I was Kirk, because they do have a lot of weapons. They are in a winnable division. He could go down there and say, all right, sign me to a nice two or three year deal. where we have this window where we're building something and I'll help you win games. And you can draft a quarterback, you know, uh, 15th, 16th overall, maybe trade up for one like the Packers did where you trade back into the first round to get one or pick up a guy in the second round who you might believe in more if they do that. But uh, if they don't do that, stick with Ritter 100%. Heineke, yes, will win you more games. Arthur Smith shouldn't be worried about his job. I think it's very obvious it's not Arthur Smith who's the problem with Atlanta. They have just, it's been a slow build of this roster. It's a slow build. Now they got to find that final piece uh, and Ritter may still be it, but I mean, yeah, he, he needs to play a lot more football for, you know, if he's your guy or not right now, it's, it's trending down. I don't have a lot of positivity towards it on the flip side. Yeah. Howell looked really good. Howell Three went on the down. road yeah. having after a bad game, being embarrassed on national TV by the bears, a well-coached team with Ron Rivera. They look prepared to go ready to go on the road in Atlanta and win a football game. Kudos to them. Kudos to their offensive coaching staff. And um, right now, Sam Howell absolutely is playing like he's keeping his job. It's still early, uh, and it's a long, long season. There could be a lot of bad Sam Howell games to come, but knock on wood, I, I really think uh, he's playing well enough right now that, that, that they're, they're going to roll with him, depending on what the franchise does in the future of the new ownership. Uh, and uh, really nice play from, from the commanders to get to where they're at. And trust me, I'm rooting against Atlanta. Uh, you know, you should know this. I, I picked them to not have a great year. I've bet multiple human beings that Atlanta won't win eight games. I need that money to stay in my pocket. So I, I will be rooting hard, hard against Atlanta throughout this. So play Ritter. Let the kid learn. Let the man learn. There you go. Throw some red zone interceptions. Let the boy learn. Some completely objective analysis from Mark absolutely. Hudson. Listen, we are, we are it. here. We are we are the Fox News, fair and balanced of the <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> of, of football coverage. Very very true. Uh, the Vikings and Bears were in a matchup that were both playing kind of Pass. for their season essentially. <laughs> Pass. Next, next question. Uh, the Vikings obviously get the win 19 to 13. It looked uh, bad yeah. for both teams in this game. Bears defense actually probably looked as good as they've looked all season I know. in many respects. Right. And uh, unfortunately, as you alluded to earlier, fields didn't have a very good game gets hurt and the rest is history. So the bears are now at one and five Vikings at two and four, neither team uh, looking promising bears almost at this point, surely missing the playoffs of uh, Vikings most likely as well. Uh, so hard to hard to have any like you know grand takeaways at this point from this matchup, given that both teams are just uh, not very good. But uh, it would curious your takes on this game, what it means for Minnesota, but more importantly, what it means for your Bears. You kind of you know touched on it earlier, but maybe just a more uh, general 
outlook and in terms of especially the next month uh do they just need to tank at this point and go get caleb williams well i'll know. say i'll say this um i'll start with the vikings listen the vikings they sh- <laughs> they barely won that game i mean they did not yeah. look good at all they, the fans. bears the bears had every opportunity to steal that game away from the vikings when justin fields went down they didn't even like step on the throat type of like now is our chance to take advantage for the vikings i'll say this one thing I would I would really be worried about if I was a Vikings fan is that they just do not have a run game, a consistent run game at all. And without Justin Jefferson, the rest of the offense looks very much like an okay NFL offense. Justin Jefferson, when you have a, a player like that, he makes everyone better because of how much more open they are because of how much attention he gets. And the rest of the offense just looks like a very okay NFL offense without him offensive line play, no running game. And like I mentioned earlier with Kirk, he he's going to be the starting quarterback. They don't have anyone else to like, okay, we're going to go into tank mode and we're going to bench Kirk for. He's the guy. And the best thing he can do for himself and his future is win games, like win as many games as possible, get as far away, your team as far away from the top of the draft as possible. For these veteran quarterbacks, guys who are trying to hang on to their jobs, the Ritters, the the Fields is the all the guy, you know, the the Kyler Murray's when he comes back. The best thing you can do for yourself is to get your team as far away from the top of the draft as humanly possible. Um, and so, it, it, and so on the opposite side for the Bears, you know, there's not much else to say at this point. I, I mean, again, this game proves that this is one of the worst coach teams in football. People who are calling for Ryan Poles, I guess I still that's the one I'm still struggling with. I get it. His record as a GM is the same record as the coach. It's bad. I get it. Roquan Smith is balling out in Baltimore and you didn't want to pay him. And Edmonds has been underwhelming. TJ Edwards has been very good, but Edmonds has been underwhelming and you paid him almost as much as, as Roquan got. And it, it, again, it's like, well, he doesn't fit our scheme and we don't want to pay a linebacker that much money. Yeah, the scheme's not working. The scheme's not working. Yeah. And so... Again, I, I struggle with polls because there's been a lot of good from polls. I think there's a lot to like about what polls has done. You know what I mean? Like there are some there are some players in, in Darnell Wright and and some guys that he's brought into the back end with Brisker and Gordon and and uh, made some moves to save money to be really flexible. Uh DJ Moore, that that trade alone, like that's on him. He he ma- he made that trade happen. It's the best trade the Bears have done in a long, long time. So I don't get necessarily the harsh, harsh criticism of polls because Eberflus isn't his guy. He didn't stump for Eberflus. He was basically told, unless you are 100% absolutely against this hiring this guy, we're hiring this guy. And the problem is by the time polls got hired, the other good candidates were off the table anyways. And Eberflus was the guy that was recommended to the Bears by Polian. So... Until Eberflus is fired, it's not worth talking about next year. It's not worth talking about draft picks because we learned our lesson as NFL fans. The Texans had the number one pick from week one till two minutes left in week 17 last year, and they missed out on pick number one, and it ended up going to the Chicago Bears at the very end of it. Anything can happen with this. Now, the only difference is until the Panthers win a game, it looks like the Bears have a lock with the number one overall pick because of the them owning the Panthers pick. So I can allow a little bit more discussion about that 
But again, I'm not willing to discuss any more about what the Bears will do with the number one overall pick and Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields debate until I know what they're going to do with the head coach. If you keep the head coach, there is no point in drafting a new quarterback because he is a head coach that I, I do not believe in. And so why would I want to give a new quarterback the torture of having to deal with uh, this coaching staff? It is an inept, bad coaching staff. And so once you fire the coaching staff and you make those changes, then, yeah, I'm all in on let's see the changes. Let's do all this. Let's restart, and we can have those conversations. I will just say from a scheme-wise and actually watching the game, I will give Tyson Badgett. I will support him. I want the Bears to win football games. I root for my team. I do not like watching my team lose over and over and over again. They've done more losing than anyone in the last two seasons. So I will root for him, but as soon as Justin Fields is healthy, he should be the starter. I want to watch Justin Fields play football. Uh, he deserves it. We deserve it as fans to know for sure as much tape as on possible what the, what the situation is until the end of the year is up. There were some big games, big wins this week, but one of them for sure uh, didn't involve the two undefeated teams, but rather it was the Cincinnati Bengals edging yeah, out the huge Seattle win. Seahawks 17 to 13 in a in a must have game for Cincinnati. If they fell the two and four, they would have been in a, a really rough situation. Uh, Seattle still very much in play in the division three and two, and uh, they've looked pretty good. But for Cincinnati to to eke out a tough victory Eek's in this one, you know, n- neither neither team looked per- particularly dominant or impressive. But Bengals win seventeen to thirteen. Geno Smith throws two picks. This was a, a get right for the Bengals defense uh, more than anything else. That was a defense that had struggled and they really needed to step up because their offense had been so poor. Um, Offense obviously came through big last week, takes a little bit of a step back this week. So the defense stepped up in their stead. So Bengals now right back in the thick of things in the AFC North, huge win for them. I thought that was a statement win outside of the other two, of course, that, that involved the undefeated teams. I thought that was the third best win of the weekend. Yeah. I don't have much more to add to that. I agree with you completely. It was a great win for the Bengals. They should not, hang their head that they had a scrappy win against the Seattle team that I thought outplayed them for large portions of that game. They were playing better football. I thought even their running game. It definitely ran the football better for sure. Overall, the way they played. But again, you find a way to win at home against a very good Seattle team. You take that, you hold your head up high. And the best news is your quarterback leaves healthy. As healthy as he, you know what I mean? Like there's no other worry about re-injuring, aggravating, nothing. So great, great, great for the Bengals. For Seattle, no panic, no panic, you know, off a bye, you would have loved to steal that game on the road, uh, but your schedule is still workable. And Seattle is in a unique spot because the NFC is three teams at the top and, and everything else is completely up for grabs. And Absolutely. Seattle looks like one of those teams in the NFC in that second tier. There should be a leader of the second tier. Like right now, especially depending on how tonight's game goes, I might argue that Seattle is the is the fourth third best team in the NFC fourth best team in the NFC ahead of Dallas ahead of New Orleans ahead of the Tampa's you know what I mean like there maybe the Rams uh, you'd argue but that like that's the com- the company they're in so it's good company to be in especially to be the best of that company um, the the problem is that you're you're just worried about the division and the Niners running away from you but you got help from the Browns. 
Yeah, they certainly did, and that's a good segue into our next game. But before we get to that huge victory by the Cleveland Browns, uh, here's a word from our podcast network here on some of the other great shows that you can check out here on the For Frequency Sake podcast network. For Frequency Sake has you covered on all things sports. From the squared circle to the hardwood and the gridiron to the speedway, we've got something for everyone. Walk down the aisle with the boys from Cards Subject to Change every Sunday as they take a deep dive into everything pro wrestling. Need your gambling fix? We've got you there. Enter Pit Row with Rod Gomez and Fast Money as we win the checkered flag with NASCAR, Xfinity, and truck race winners and props. Football more your style? Explore the waters of NFL DFS with DFS Deep Dive with Brian Craighead and Jordan Kernan each week. More into the science portion of the game? We've got a double dose of action there. The Professor John Bush and Dennis Michelson take you into their science lab and dissect your week in the data lab. Want an analytical take? Nick Girl and the team at Gridiron AI come to you each week with The Lab. Need to know who to start last minute? The network's flagship show, for fantasy's sake, is here in a pinch. The fellows come to you live every football Sunday from 10 to 11.30 Central with the week's best DFS, gambling, and lineup advice. And wrap up your Sundays with Joe Winkle and Nick Brinks as they come to you live with educated ignorance looking at all the day's action. Can't get enough of Joe? He comes to you three times a week. Not enough football on Sunday? Not a problem. Kick your feet up at lunch on Monday and slip on into the football lounge with Mark and Dan while they look at the week that was in news, notes, and more. For frequency's sake, you know what we mean. All right, well, we mentioned it, the Cleveland Browns with a huge victory over the San Francisco 49ers delivering San Fran its first loss of the season and first in the last 16 games. 19-17, to Browns escape with a win. Huge performance from their defense. Obviously, Debo Samuel uh, and Christian McCaffrey left this game early, so some big injuries there for the 49ers side, but no excuses. Cleveland was injury riddled as well. They didn't have their starting quarterback, their $230 million quarterback. PJ Walker steps in to lead the team. Uh, Not an impressive game yet again. It was another low scoring game that we saw this week. Uh, But the Browns, just like the Bengals, hanging tough after some, you know, difficult losses in division to stay at three and two and, and really, um, you know, put themselves still firmly in that position in the AFC North. Big, big win for Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I'm not worried from a San Francisco perspective. The the team obviously lost two of its biggest playmakers. Um, But I will say, you know, they're going to have to find ways to, um, you know, get back to the dominant offensive performances we saw earlier. uh, Because, you know, we see now, like, when these teams are in close, tight battles, things can get really dicey real quick. Uh, because, yeah, Brock Purdy's not Patrick Mahomes, you know, and it's just uh, they need to stay on schedule. They need to stay on rhythm. And when they're kind of thrown off of it, uh, there are some weaknesses that you can poke in. I still think they're the best team in the league as of right now. Um, but all of that being said, um, you know, they'll they'll probably bounce back. Cleveland was one of the best defenses in the league. And so, you know, you'll tip your your cap to them. But, yeah, on the flip side, Cleveland needed that win. And it was a massive statement from them. Yeah, not worried about San Francisco. This is a game that obviously you would circle as a win if you were a Niners fan. And I think part of what losing this game was, you listen, you're coming off an emotional big-time win on primetime football. You got to travel to Cleveland. It's wet. It's cold. You know Deshaun Watson's not playing. You, you may have been sleepwalking a little in the first half thinking, oh, we'll play with our food. And then all of a sudden, CMC and Debo are out. And then the game plan changes a bit. Brock Purdy wasn't great, 
But who is great against that that Cleveland defense? Yeah. That Cleveland defense is without a doubt one of the one of the three best defenses in the NFL. They are phenomenal. And um, so I'm not worried about San Francisco. I will say the only thing that I would concern me if I was San Francisco is like you draft a kicker high in like round three, I think it was for Jake Moody. Yep. His whole family was there. They you saw the photo going viral. Like he took a big photo with his family before the game. Opportunity to win, you know, game winner. And he missed multiple yards. kicks. And like yeah, th that is that's a concern. That's a concern, especially when you had Robbie Gould for the last six, seven years, and he was so good. Uh, he's automatic, and you move on with this high draft pick kicker. It's like, yuck. So yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not a perfect, perfect team. They're close to perfect. And um, I, I think losing a game is never a bad thing in the NFL because it takes the pressure off. You don't have to worry about the undefeated season. No more Brock Purdy. He's never lost a, a, a regular season game. He started. All yeah. those stats are now dead. I think that's a good thing for them. For Cleveland, what a win. It, should, it just goes to show you that this team, I think, is actually really well coached. I don't think it's Stefanski's uh, it's problem when they're when they're struggling offensively. I think I think he's a good coach. I think this is a really great roster, and it just makes you question even more, like what's really going on with Watson? They say it's a nerve mm -hmm. in the throwing shoulder. Well, what the fuck does that mean? Like how? Like that's one of those things yeah. where we say to ourselves, and if I was a fan, I'd be like, so he's healthy, he can play. Right now, though, the problem is he's got a nerve. We don't know what it's going to take for that to get 100% healthy, for him to feel confident. The the big thing I read is he can't drive the ball downfield. Well, that's what Deshaun Watson does best. <laughs> he's not an accurate yeah, pick-your-part guy. So, listen, they can hang on for maybe another week or two without him, and getting this win certainly will alleviate some of the stress of rushing him back. But this is a, you know... You just gotta got to wonder why they didn't put him on IR a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, clearly, they felt that he or, could be ready. Clearly, it's a situation where it's like we we don't know from day to day, and uh, that's that's obviously a difficult spot for a team to be in because they they want to you know try yeah. him out there whenever he's ready. But now you've got this roster spot that's constantly being taken up, and the AFC North is the AFC North is looking really interesting. They all beat each other yeah. up. Everyone yeah. can beat each other in division, uh, for the most part. Um, it's going to be a lot of those. Whenever you're, if you're a fan of the AFC North, you've got to win every game that's not against the AFC North because the, win, the winner might be ten and seven this year. I mean, uh, point, it could uh, be yeah, less. I, I mean, it, the it way they be beat these eight, teams yeah, beat, beat each other up, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, the Panthers were up fourteen to nothing, looking for their first win of the season. <laughs> wild the Dolphins first quarter. If the Panthers won this game, it would have been an absolutely bonkers week with the Eagles the 49ers uh, going down and then the Panthers beating the Dolphins, but that's not the case. Miami won 42, 21. They absolutely ran away with it in the second half. Um, really starting in the second quarter, 21 unanswered. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of, uh, went on autopilot at that point. No Devon Achan, no problem. Tyree kill, uh, looked great in this one. So the Dolphins put up another 40 burger on the season. Damn. Panthers. Oh, and six, I guess the encouraging part, Mark, is that, we are seeing some improvements with Bryce Young. There's, yeah. um, you know, and Joe Person, who we had on the show um, earlier this year before the draft as well, uh, reporter for The Athletic for the Carolina Panthers, uh, wrote an article where he was stating how the first half was an 
indicator of how Bryce Young has improved as a quarterback. And the second half was a good indicator of how he's improved as a leader on the field because he really had that demeanor of never quitting, um, seemed to rally the troops. The guys seemed to like him. So those are positive aspects from Bryce Young. We've seen C.J. Stroud dominate as a rookie, and he's yeah. looking so much better. Uh, but these are aspects that you want to see out of your quarterback, even when you're 0-6, to have some good moments coming out of those. No moral victories, but you'll take the improvements with the loss. Yeah, the C.J. Stroud, the biggest problem C.J. Stroud has right now is that he has tried— Bryce Young? Uh, so yeah, B B Bryce Young. Is that he's trying to live up to the number one pick, Right. If you have the number one pick, you should never draft the guy who's just not the size. Like size, there should be a size requirement to be the be number a can't one. Can't miss type prospect yeah. for that. Yes, you know, you call him like, um, like a, you know, God only makes certain people certain sizes. There's a lot of human beings on this planet that are the same size as Bryce Young. There are not a lot of human beings on the planet that are the same size as a Josh Allen, for example. You know, throw a name out there. It's the same thing with Baker Mayfield, like when he was drafted number one overall. Like now he's really resurrecting his career a little bit and showing the, you know, the Sam Darnold haters and all that wrong. But like there should just be that moment where you say to yourself, am I really about to draft a guy number one overall who, if you was walking by you in the grocery store, you would have no idea he's an NFL player. Like, yeah. like that's I a mean, problem. I guess the counter is that, you know, people would say Drew Brees or Russell Wilson, but to your but point, they weren't number one those picks. are massive anomalies. And they well. weren't but, number yeah, one but picks. They would, have, they would have been worth a number one pick, though. Oh, and, yeah, that's but that's, point, again, you know? late, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Like, you yeah. should not, like, I'm just talking purely about, like, the pressure of the no, number one pick. No, I agree. Those are two two anomalies for yeah. the entire history of the league. So, yeah, I yeah. totally get you. Well, yeah. it's the same with Kyler Murray. I mean, he's trying to live up to the number one pick, like, the whole thing. You put the number one pick on this guy. And, and he was an exceptional prospect yeah. versus Bryce Young, I think you'd say, yeah. right? Like, oh, yeah. Like, well, like Bryce well, obviously had the accuracy down, but it wasn't. They're both um, Heisman winners. They, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. So my my here's my thing. Carolina, I'll, I'll stand by. Carolina has a lot of work to do on their roster to help their young quarterback. And when they add help to that roster, then we can start fairly judging their young quarterback. For the Miami Dolphins, Miami is a team I really truly believe that if they can find a way to get home field for majority of the playoffs, they're going to be a tough, tough. Out, they are different in Miami with that speed in the sun in the Florida sun. Um, they're something special and unique, and their offense is fun to watch. They are a great, great watch. If you haven't watched the Dolphins, watch the Dolphins. They're they're fun, fun watch. Um, and uh, I, I mean, Tyree Kill should absolutely be in MVP discussions if they keep going the way he's going because he is the th the gadget that. He's the he's gadget that makes a thousand receiving yards. Yeah, he's the gadget that makes that whole engine work, and it is a very, very beautiful engine to watch. It's unbelievable. It really is. And you know, with moving to this next game, when we've talked on the show about just can't miss types of guys, you know, pretty quickly if someone is going to stick and be great in the NFL. I think we f we feel that already somewhat with C.J. Stroud. Uh, definitely have noticed that. Um, in other sports, like we're seeing with Connor Bedard, the number one overall pick for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, lovely. Already looking incredible on the ice. Well, the same goes for Trevor Lawrence. And now six games into the season, we're starting to see the Jaguars putting it all together. 17-point victory over the rival Indianapolis Colts, 37-20. Yeah, 
huge win. Got uh, the defense played great too, getting three interceptions to Gardner Minshew in this. Uh, Travis Etienne, somewhat of a breakout game, if you will, for him with a couple touchdowns in this game. And uh, the offense really starting to put things together. So a uh, massive 37 to 20 victory for the Jaguars, who are now kind of planting themselves uh, as the leaders of the AFC South. And I'm going to say that at this point, they are not going to relinquish that lead the rest of the season. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's a safe bet. I think, listen, for the Jaguars, again, slow start, but they are putting it together. I actually think for moments of that game, the the, the Colts were playing really good football. Uh, the problem is that the Jags have, uh, they do have a lot of talent, and Minshew just was making critical mistakes at critical times. Yeah. But the Jags capitalized on it. Listen, divisional games. If you win a divisional game by two-plus scores, then that is a great, great victory because we have seen in division crazy things can happen where, where yeah, teams absolutely. will beat other teams yeah. in division because it's just divisional games. So if you win a divisional game by more than two scores, it, I consider that a great win and uh, nice for the Jaguars. They've swept the Colts now in the season series. That certainly helps. And uh, it, even worse news for the Colts, it looks like Richardson might have surgery now. I think that's yeah. brutal. Um, but uh especially because it's the throwing shoulder and it's so young into his career. Uh, that'd be a real, real, real concern if I was a if I was an Indianapolis Colts fan. The Texans get a 20 to 13 win at My home Texans. over the New Orleans Saints. I've got a lot of questions about the Saints, man. I just don't know. <laughs> uh, this offense looks brutal. It's it, like this was our e like slam dunk pick to win the division and they just have not been convincing in any game this year. No. Uh, meanwhile, the Texans continue to overperform. Well, they listen, they did look good against in the win against my, New England, but now New England is starting to look like a top, okay, a, a bottom crazy. three team in the league. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. that's, you know, that's one thing. I will say this about New Orleans. Yeah, they truly don't have an identity. Are they a big play deep ball? They have Gersalave. They have Michael Thomas. Are they slants and under screens just pick you apart 12 play drives? Well, they have guys who do that with Alvin Kamara as well, but they're not efficient enough, it feels like, to do that. They have a really solid defense. Uh, yeah. It's got a lot of veterans on it. Um, I will say, I just think this is more to me. This win was more just. I think the Texans are are have quickly become a well coached, disciplined football team, and with a very very solid young quarterback. And they're smart. They're and they're smart. smart. And they have veterans like Jimmy Ward. They brought you know, D'Amico Ryan's brought Jimmy Ward and all that knowledge of starting in San Francisco for seven eight years. And said, "You're coming with me to uh, to install this system with me yep. in Houston." And you're seeing that, like that's those are those underrated moves that are really paying off. You know, Jimmy Ward's not a Hall of Famer, but those are those underrated moves that are really paying off. I think so. I think it's a little bit more. of This says more about the Texans than it does the Saints. Tough to win on the road in the NFL, especially against a team that is finding their confidence right now, playing really good football. C.J. Stroud to me is quickly becoming. Um, the, the, you know, the, the Batman to the Superman in that division of Trevor Lawrence, you know, this division is starting to feel a lot like Mahomes and, and you know what I mean? Like, uh, Mahomes and Herbert Lawrence and Stroud, like it, it's got the makings of that. And that's a really exciting thing for us as football fans. The Raiders and the Patriots went toe to toe in Vegas, and the Patriots now they kind of went just five. like butt to butt, and it was ugly. You're just <laughs> yeah, like, no, I don't want to watch this. What is That's happening? A much better way of putting it. Absolutely. It's like, what are we? The Raiders doing, win twenty one seventeen. It just looks terrible. I both Jones the, is 
the yeah that well the, and he takes the sack in the end zone you see the end of the game bill belichick just slamming his uh you know microsoft surface into the ground things are not uh looking good for the patriots and you know i know it's it's uh it's not it doesn't have anything to do with like this current season and trying to win now but the fact that you know bill belichick was so close to the all-time wins record and now it's just getting further and further away and it's like you got to ask questions now it might take two more seasons for him to get the record and are you going to bring him back for two more seasons given what we've seen post tom brady and things just aren't working out better we thought bill o'brien was going to be a big improvement for this offense and i'm really having questions still about mac jones as a overall player and also as bill belichick's ability to create a a quality staff around him when he doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, these are questions that, you know, deservedly so have come up. They're great questions. I think the biggest thing is for Bill Belichick, what he has to do to survive this and get another chance to be the coach if he wants to be the coach for another, like, say, three-year, five-year contract, he needs to be. He needs to go into Robert Kraft's step office and say, and say I, re- I will step away from the GM. Let's hire a GM. Because yeah, his drafts 100%. have been terrible. They've hired they 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 draft guards. They have no skill positions. There's no talent on that offense, and the defense still has players, and he can still coach defense. But they need they need a general manager who will say, "I'm going to hire your offensive coordinator. I'm going to help you hire your new offensive coordinator. I'm going to pick your next quarterback. I'm going to find you the wide receivers, and you coach the football team and get this team back to being disciplined uh, and and playing really solid NFL football because that's just they look undisciplined." They look at a, a massive talent dearth, and it is really, really showing Mac Jones. Uh, I don't know if Mac Jones is done in the league, but I think he's done with New England. Like, this is just not, yeah. it's just not yeah. working. And it's, I don't think it's necessarily all his fault, but he is making dumb decisions too. Uh, it he's is his fault. His case. He yeah. it is his fault. He took the sack in the end zone. Like, there's like, there are things like that is your fault. Like, it's Justin Fields' fault that you're extending the plays and get yourself hurt. Like, you can throw the ball away or just take the sack or get the ball quicker. Like that, that is your fault. That's not the coach's fault. So um, on the other side for, for the Raiders, not much to say except for what we said at the beginning, scrappy. They're kind of a fun watch because it's chaotic. Um, McDaniels is so dumb and, and I don't like him and good luck to Raiders fans. It's got to be annoying as heck to have him as your coach. Uh, and, um, and overall Jimmy G, the injury status will, will be huge. We could get Aiden O'Connell versus Tyson Bajant next year's next week, Bears versus Raiders. Ooh, that might be ooh, the ugliest game in NFL history. <laughs> Watch it be like 50 to 45. Like the it Olympics. could be. Like it it be. very well could be. Very well could be. Uh the Rams get a victory 26 to 9 over the Arizona Cardinals, who despite looking good at many times this year are one and five. So yeah. they are they are falling backwards uh, a little bit, but that was to be expected to begin with. Meanwhile, the Rams are three and three, so they have three of their five wins on the season, as I had predicted earlier uh, in the year. So that's uh yeah, that's looking worse and worse by the day. But overall, yeah, the Rams get another key victory in the NFC West, uh, go to five hundred. I think the the questions now are still wondering what's going to happen with Kyler Murray for the Arizona Cardinals if they're going to just just stick with you know the the game plan as is uh and 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 try and you know build through next year's draft and and for the cardinals uh you know i guess my question just speaking for myself is are the rams legit is this a team that will be competing for a wild card spot this year i i do i do still have uh concerns uh but i got to you know give them credit they've been winning convincingly at several times this year 
The Rams are well coached. They have a lack of overall talent, but they have high end talent with the quarterback play, the wide receiver play, yeah. uh, and then along the defense. Kyron Williams has been very good too. Yeah. yeah. So, so they are interesting. They're one of those teams. I feel like I feel like a college football team that like loses their first couple games early in the year, but then by the end of the year they're like ten and two, and you're like, wait a minute, are they one of the better teams now in college football? Like. Their young guys are just learning. I think they're growing as the season goes on. So I'm really excited to see where the Rams keep going. And again, they beat a divisional opponent by more than two scores. It's a good win. Like that's a good win. I know yeah. it's the I know it's the Cardinals. I'll say this about the Cardinals. I'm starting to feel, and I wonder how Cardinals Nation is starting to feel. They're so scrappy, and they're scrappy enough. It is starting to feel like the best thing they should do is to play Kyler Murray when he's healthy, to figure out if Kyler Murray with this scrappy team is something that then if you add two top 10 picks to next year, like a, a Marvin Harrison and then like a, the best, you know, defensive lineman or offensive lineman with their two top 10 picks, like all of a sudden they could have a really quick turnaround. Um, and so if, if Kyler comes back and plays well, and if Kyler comes back and plays really terrible, then you have options at quarterback, right? You make that move. So mm -hmm. that'd be my mindset. I'd be shifting to if I was a Cardinals fan. I know, I know. The dream is Caleb Williams, but it, it looks at this point in time like the Panthers are, they might win one, two if they're lucky. And if that, the second worst team in the league, the Bears look way worse than the Cardinals. They may win one or two games, three if they're lucky. Cardinals feel like they're going to back their way into three wins with Dobbs. You might as well, you got to play Kyler when he's healthy so you know what Kyler is. So if I were the Cardinals, I would lean towards that as my plan. And I don't think it's the worst place in the world to be with Kyler Murray and two top 10 picks next year to add a ton of talent, uh, high-end talent to that roster that's already scrappy. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles have been playing with fire much of this year, Mark. We, yeah. we talked about how they you know, were finding ways to win despite not having everything put together, and it finally came back to bite them. This they found a way weekend. to lose. <laughs> yeah, in one of the best wins uh, of the year by any team that the New York Jets needed this so bad. They get to 500. 20 to 14 victory. Zach Wilson looked uh, pretty serviceable and, and, and good at times throughout this game. So that was probably encouraging for the Jets to at least know that they can have a fighting chance each week, uh, especially with how good that defense is. And Robert Sala obviously pumped up after the game saying they've, they've gone through a slog of, of amazing quarterbacks this year and embarrassed all of them. I don't know if they've embarrassed all of them, but most of them for sure. And they get the 20 to 14 victory, their first win ever against the Philadelphia Eagles now one in 12 uh, all time for the Jets but uh, you know big win for the New York Jets and uh, you know Philly they just got to figure some things out but they're five and one there are much much worse situations to be in they're still one of the best teams in the league yeah I wouldn't panic if I was Philly what I would what I would say this about Philly is that again on the road tough conditions against a very good defense a top five defense in the NFL that was desperate they played desperate and Philly did not and Philly should have won that game. Hurts really bad interception late. And I wish that the, I said a couple of weeks ago, Philly had found their identity when they were running the ball really, really well. The run game was non-existent against a very good Jets front. And if I'm Philly, the one thing I'd be disappointed with is if you could run the ball in those last couple series and just eat some clock, you absolutely win this game. So I would be frustrated with my coaching staff panicking and going away from develop the run game, middle of the game. How can you not see what the Jets are doing and try to adjust to it where you can still run the ball effectively 
That would be my concern. For the Jets, I will say, massive win. The 72 Dolphins popping champagne. They're feeling good. The Eagles had the pressure off of, of the uh, of the uh, undefeated season. But for the Jets, this is what the, exactly they need to do. They, they are proving to their fans and themselves that Salah's still the guy. Nathaniel Hackett's developing some solid game plans to help Zach Wilson minimize as many in, uh, stupid things as possible. That's all good. And can you hang around enough? Just enough to where if you're around 500 in week 16, 17, can the bad man come back? You know what I mean? Like, that's the storyline. I don't think it's possible. I don't think he comes back. I think it'd be silly to risk it in that way. But I also feel like it's a bad franchise. And so if Aaron says I'm playing, they'll play him. So that's, to me, the thing to watch. Like, can they stay relevant enough for us to get to that moment where that will be a content machine? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I'd... There have been some reports uh, as recent as today talking about a week 12 return. Now, a lot of doctors are saying that his recovery is beyond anything that they've um, anticipated. And honestly, I I like I we obviously I have no insight into his recovery, but a lot of it seems like it very well could be public facing image type of stuff, fighting through some intense pain to show I'm walking without crutches. Uh, now, maybe that's not the case. Maybe he really is healing at an enormous rate. It's just, it, it's a massive anomaly, and I wouldn't put it past him. He's trying hard. Um, but yeah, it's just, I would temper ex- expectations for a lot of people out there that are like, this is going to be a miracle comeback. There's probably still a very, very far way to go before we can entertain him going back on the field. But if he comes back, that'd be impressive. It's up to um, the Jets to give us that moment. They got to stay exactly. around 500, and they've done that right now so far. Yeah. Yep. They're fighting. Uh, the Lions go on the road and get a win 20 to 6 over the Buccaneers. Uh, the Buccaneers, despite the loss, still three and two. So they're looking uh, much better than anticipated. Lions five and one. And so, you know, Detroit, despite losing David Montgomery, have been churning along. They got Jamison Williams back. Uh, obviously, after his suspension, he gets a big touchdown in this game. So look, this offense is is uh, going uh, according to plan, and they're kind of uh, starting to get back that you know, offensive fireworks uh, through the air that we saw last year. They were much more leaning into the run game. Uh, I I wonder now if the Detroit Lions are starting to put it all together at the perfect time where they are going to start rolling. And at five and one mark, uh, they're they're pretty much putting a stamp on the NFC North at this point. I'll say this about the Bucs first, just really quick. This was their chance to really like make the statement that, hey, we are a, we're a force in the NFC. And and they just completely laid an egg at home, and they weren't yeah, good, good enough. Game. And and I think again, it just goes to show you they're in that Seattle Saints Dallas group of teams that you're like, all right, you know these are these are quality teams. They can win games, but when it comes to the three elite teams, the NFC, they just they don't they don't stack up right now. Now everything can change, injuries happen, all that you know, blah blah blah. But right now, for the for the Detroit Lions. I think the stat that says it all is they are really good at running the football. Like you think about them and you think hard nose run the football, David Montgomery, and they have been a very elite offensive line. And yet the number one quarterback in the NFL for yard, uh, for passing down the field, accuracy completions, attempts is Jared Goff. He is hitting big plays and he's hitting them constantly with consistency 
and accurately, and they have the weapons to do it. Williams, St. Brown, Laporta, they have big play weapons, and Goff is is right now, today, in this season of the NFL, the best down-the-field thrower in the NFL right now. Yeah. And that is dangerous for a team with a solid run game, a true physical identity, and a defense that is showing their teeth week in and week out to have an elite, deep passing game. And it's not like they just only throw one shot a game and that's why he's elite. They throw it a lot. He throws a lot of deep shots. This is a chunk play offense. Reynolds, too, the other wide receiver. So I love the Detroit Lions right now. I think they are absolutely to be taken for real and seriously. And a dominating win, wire-to-wire kind of dominating win against an upstart Tampa team on the road uh, helps me feel even more confident in saying that. Yeah, they they've been fantastic. What a turnaround for this franchise, and and they they had to make correct moves, and they did. They got Jared Goff. They got Dan Campbell. That's clearly a decision that's working out well. They made uh, very smart draft choices, especially this last draft. So they are looking fantastic. They're three and zero on the road. Uh, so you know, for a dome team, that's that's impressive Huge. too. And so you know, uh, here they are at five and one, looking like one of the league's best. Finally, before we get to the Mark Super Bowl plane, very excited for that. The Bills get a 14-9 win over the New York Giants. Very sloppy game from both sides here. You know, the Bills got lucky to some extent because they could have given this game away at many, you know, turns. Josh Allen did not look very good. The Giants had a good game plan defensively. But this is more concerning for the Giants because they just don't, there's no direction right now. And Daniel Jones was hurt. He was not in the game. They had to start Tyrod Taylor. They're one in five basement of the NFC East, no uh, light at the end of the tunnel, nothing looking for us, you know, promising on the horizon for the Giants. This is just a really brutal situation and state of affairs for them. Buffalo, you escape with the win, you move on, uh, you, you know, you've got the offense and the defense yeah. to to make it work. So they're four and two, they'll be fine. But it's the Giants that are, are very concerning right now. This is, if I'm the Giants, you feel like they're probably in the second worst situation compared to the the, the Denver Broncos. Like, and in both situations are similar in the sense you have a really high paid quarterback. You just don't know what to do with it now. Nothing is working. Your the moves you've made are not working. Your offensive line play is terrible, and you have a coach you believe in. But if they were that good, would they let their teams become this bad? So it leads into those yeah. questions as well. It's a mess in New York, and I'll say this about the Bills: don't panic about last night. Like again, like don't panic. You were you're you know. You're coming back from the from the long road trip. Like y- you get a win at home, you you you're beat up. Your 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 defense played well, even though it's missing some giant starters, Milano and, and those guys. I get it. It's it's Tyra Taylor and the Giants, but I wouldn't panic if I was the Bills. Again, if you want me to find the thing to be frustrated about, the thing I would be frustrated about is I, I think this team's depth is now a real concern. I mean, they are they are on life support at some really key positions. And I and it, and that leads to Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things, which is a coin flip. I mean, Josh Allen is a coin flip. Fifty percent of the time, the Josh Allen things are things that no one else on the planet can do, and the other fifty percent of things are like, "Good God, oh, I want to rip my hair out!" Because like, what are you doing, Josh? So yeah. it, it, that's going to be the Bills for a little bit this season. I still think highly of the Bills because I think they have plenty of time to to solve the issues and they have time to bring guys in the trade deadline hasn't happened yet. 
you know, go practice squad hunting, find some dudes to bring in to help, uh, you know, piece together this roster and give Josh Allen uh, enough support to where he can, he can uh, not mash all the buttons at once. All right. Well, flight number four of the football lounge airways uh, has officially uh, yeah. taken flight. We are in the air and I will let you introduce us to Mark's Super Bowl playing the first of the new season. Yeah, so what we always do if you listen to the Football Lounge is supposed to power rankings. I like to break it down like you're on the plane to the Super Bowl. And uh, first class are teams that I believe right now, those are the only teams that could win the Super Bowl. Like you, there's no other teams that win the Super Bowl. Business class are teams that can play in a championship game. They can absolutely play in a championship game. And then uh, and then uh, um, the uh, coach or uh, what economy. do I call it? Yeah. Economy yeah. class. Economy. Those are teams that, We'll make the playoffs, I believe, and then who knows? They could get hot, or there's they're definitely lurking, right? They they have a reason to be lurking. Uh, so Dan, let's let's kick it off, and I think we're starting with the first class. Sure and yeah, are. I mean, there's it's it's no no need to to explain any of that. I think there are three teams in the NFC that all right now uh, are the class of the NFC. I would be dumbfounded if one of these three teams was not representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And then with the AFC, it's right now it's the Chiefs. The AFC is so muddied and so muddled. The only clarity I have with the AFC is that I the, I know in the AFC the Chiefs can make and win a Super Bowl. I can't necessarily say that this morning with every other AFC, AFC team. So let's move on to uh, the uh, business class. Fantastic. So here's the rest of the AFC, right? The Bills, <laughs> the Jags, the Dolphins. All teams that absolutely, if you told me they were playing in a championship game, AFC championship game, I'd say great, but playing in the Super Bowl as of this morning, I would need to know a lot more things. I would need to know: Are they do they have home field advantage? Where is that AFC cha championship game being played? What else went? Who are you know? Like, there's uh, so many other question marks I would have to know to to feel even remotely comfortable dealing with that. So capable, not saying they can't get to first class, but they got to start fixing some things or or, or proving some other things wrong. And then, um, and then finally, with the uh, with the economy class, the Ravens and the Bengals. So the Ravens and the Bengals are to me teams that right now don't feel like they'd make the championship game, but they both have the pieces to make a championship game. They both have the quarterbacks to make a championship game. They both have the pedigree with the head coach for the Ravens and for the Bengals. We've seen it the last two years make championship games. So don't count them out. Don't sleep on them. And what I think the Super Bowl playing really goes to show is that the AFC is the Chiefs and a bunch of question marks. And the NFC is three teams and no one else. I mean, there is no one else you should trust in the NFC. Yeah, they're going to be teams in the NFC to make a a, 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 a playoffs, but they're just those three teams, the NFC, and, and in no one else do I trust to make it to even a championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's overall very solid. I, I would personally probably consider putting the Dolphins in first class just because of how okay. dominant at times they've looked this year. And I I trust their coaching and their ability to dominate the line of scrimmage, which is extra important in the playoffs. Right. So I I feel like at this point I could see the Dolphins in the Super Bowl. And maybe the only other thing I would do is adding the Seattle Seahawks to economy just because overall they feel like a playoff a, team they're a quality team and they, yeah they definitely feel like a playoff team in, in an nfc that's you know not looking so hot right now but i understand the point because 
you know, 13 points this past week against the Bengals. And there are question marks about, uh, you know, DK, you know, being hurt um, and, and banged up and um, the defense not being as great. So yeah, there are question marks for sure with Seattle. So no, no big gripes with this. I think it's a, a really solid list um, for the problem, especially for the first flight. The problem with Miami is the flight just took off from Miami and um, it's only going to colder destinations. And so that were, you know what I mean? Like that's tough. That's that's tough for dolphins. It absolutely is. All right. Well, I I love it. And we will have this uh, posted of course, later on this, uh, uh, this week, for all of you on social media, you can get a look at that Super Bowl plane in its entirety. But uh, really like that iteration and and glad we got this kicked off. So um, very much looking forward to it. This will be the last uh, episode with me for a couple weeks. Uh, I'm getting married and then going on my honeymoon. So I will be taking a, a, a plane of my own, uh, not for <laughs> class, however, uh, and not even business class. So we'll, we'll be <laughs> Very much uh, looking like maybe a, a scrappy playoff team. Uh, for yeah, you guys will be trip, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, but yeah, Mark, Mark might uh, be gracing the airwaves with uh, some some great takes and, and analysis the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, and we appreciate, as always, your support, uh, liking and subscribing wherever you find this podcast and or video portion. Uh, Thank you so much for joining. This has been the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan. Week 6 recap. We'll see you here next time. 